Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Huskies on Tap, a podcast for the Huskies by the Huskies, presented to you by Fatty's Pub and Grill and brought to you by On Tap Sportsnet. I'm your host, Brandon Suarez. You can follow me on Twitter at BDON300. And today I will be recapping the Cure Bowl. NIU loses a heartbreaker 47 to 41. Uh, they really emptied the bucket, they left it all out on the line. They had an opportunity. They had an opportunity to win the game late, and it turned into a ref show. Uh, they did not get an opportunity to run that last play, and controversy surrounding it. Uh, Coach Hammock said he really didn't get like a full explanation on what happened in the end because if you look at the situation, Coastal had a very similar situation at the end of the first half to where their receiver supposedly got out of bounds and. He definitely did not get out of bounds. And, and the same thing happened with Miles Joyner. I mean, Miles Joyner was able to get out of bounds late, and they literally did not give us an opportunity to run that last play. So I thought that was uh, a very interesting way and uh, just the absolute last way you want to lose the rest of your season. Like, there is no worse way especially for the seniors, especially for guys like Braden, uh, especially for guys like Clint Rakovich and, and, and Zemaine March and the seniors and Lance DeVoe and, and all those guys. And, and it's sad. And uh, we're having a sad beer. We're going to crack one here for you on the stream, but it was an unfortunate ending. Uh, I'm proud of the way the guys played all season long. They, they did the damn thing, man. We were 0-6 last year, and we somehow find a way to get to a bowl game, to win the conference, to leave the program in a way better spot than you could have ever imagined before we entered this season. And it is what it is. Um, I'm proud of the team. I know it doesn't count for much at this point, but I personally think that there is no team in the MAC that is in a better spot than us right now as it stands uh you watch toledo get absolutely gut punched by middle tennessee state uh i want to say they lost by like 14 or maybe it was seven i don't remember what the exact score was but no matter which way you cut it um we have a very a very good football team a team to be proud of and uh it's a great day to be a husky regardless of result regardless of win lose or draw and I'm happy that I was able to come out to see the game. It was a phenomenal game from start to finish. It was a, it was really just like a matching game. It was like a Tuesday night matching game, to be honest. There's a lot of points. Defenses weren't really like a thing tonight. Like we got a couple stops, especially when we needed them, like late in the game to get the ball back, to have an opportunity to go win the game. And we didn't get the stops uh, when we really needed them. I guess you would say, cause they were able to score 47 points, but they were able to get a couple during the game that really flipped the momentum. And we really lost all momentum that we had had uh, when we weren't able to convert from third and one and fourth and one. I knew that coach was going to end up, you know, with it being third and one, I was like, it doesn't matter where we're on the field. Like coach is going to just run it up the gut two plays in a row. First time in 14 tries that we've been stopped on fourth down. So for the people that are saying that it was a, a bad decision to go forth, go for it on fourth, uh, my trust is in Coach Hammock and the players to go out there and make the play. And for the first time in 15 tries, they didn't get it done. It sucks that it's in the biggest spot, but the defense still 
needed to go out and get a stop right after that. And they scored the very next play. And then we didn't, we didn't move the ball the way we would have liked. We didn't get that, that touchdown right after that. So coastal gets the ball back around midfield and uh, first play bad snap. They lose about nine yards. Second play, they get about five of them back. Third play, they get about eight of them back, but Jamie Chadwell is not coach hammock. He ain't going for it on fourth down. So they punted it back to us and uh, a fourth down conversion. I think two fourth down conversions on that drive. Cole Tucker was money today. Um, was all over the field. The running game, which has been the strength of our team for the entire season, was on top of the world. They, you know, Rocky had a good game running the ball. Clint had a good game running the ball. Jay Ducker and Ontario Brown were just toting the shit out of the ball. Like, it was ridiculous the way. And the line, too. The line is how the, you know, how the ball carrier even has space to run. The line played a phenomenal game. Uh, I know I talked to JJ before the game. He was battling sickness. And uh, Coach Hammock had mentioned post game that about 25 players had to quarantine uh, with flu like symptoms uh, before the game. So I'm not, don't put words in my mouth. I'm not saying that anyone has COVID or anything like that. But in this day and age and during this time, uh, you have to, you have to be cautious and you have to be aware of these type of things to make sure that your program doesn't get hit with the bug. And there was players that were sick. We were short some guys today, but there's nothing that you can take away from that team. There's nothing that you can take away from those coaches in that locker room. Like they left it all out in the field. They played a very good game offensively in the fourth quarter. We kind of fell out of rhythm and we weren't able to move the ball. Like when we were up eight and we got the, or when we were up five, it was when we were up five and we moved to eight. If we could have got a touchdown on that drive, that would have been an absolute game changer. And they weren't able to, they settled for six. John Richardson was money today. He made all of his kicks and, and the special teams units played really well. They blocked uh, an extra point on the first touchdown of the game for coastal. And a lot of times you just see people take that playoff. So to see that they were as invested and as involved to try and win this game, just like it was the Mac championship, just like it was a Mac regular season game, trying to get to the Mac championship it meant a lot to see um, coach hammock said in his, in his initial statement after the game, he said, I'm proud of the effort from our guys. We were dealing, like I said, we were dealing with the flu like issues. 25 guys had to sit at home in quarantine, but I couldn't be more proud of their effort and fight credit to coastal. They're a good team. They played their butt off. We would love to see some of those plays on film to see where we messed up. And this could be a launching pad for us in the 2022 season. Coach hammock said, I'm hurt for the seniors. They have nothing to hang their head down about. We left it out there for 60 minutes, but we just couldn't get it done. And uh, the way he handled himself after being absolutely fleeced by the refs uh, was of the utmost professional. He was great in the press conference. It was very short. There was only Cole and Nick Routine in there. And uh, we didn't really get to talk to them too much. And, I mean, I know what it's like to lose a game like that, to lose a game in that manner. And I, yeah, I looked at Nick. We, like, locked eyes. And I saw him after the game. I'm like, yeah, bro, I, I – wanted no smoke with that. Like, I don't even want to ask you anything because I know what type of mood y'all are in, but a game that we probably should have put away earlier. There's plenty of different points that you can look back in the game and say, Hey, we should have did this or we could have did that. But 
I mean, a lot of, what was it, 12 point underdogs going into this game? Coach Hammock addressed that in the press conference. So, I mean, they knew as they have been all season, they knew they were counted out. They knew that, you know, Coastal was probably going to overlook them. And Coastal did overlook us. We were leading for probably 75% of this game, if not more. You had, lead, you had a lead in every quarter, first, second, third, and fourth. And, uh, yeah, we just weren't able to close it out. It's a young football team, a team that returns uh, close to 20 seniors – or not 20 seniors. Oh, my God, we don't even have 20 seniors. Close to 20 uh, starters. It was the S in the word that, that kind of threw me off. But close to 20 starters uh, next year. And uh, it's going to be a long offseason, just like letting this one sulk because, I mean, as you guys know, I live live and die with every snap. My press assignment today was actually on the concourse in the stadium because the regular press box was full. And my goodness, they sat me behind, I want to say like 10 or 12 Coastal Carolina media members. And for the most part, they were pretty nice. They were pretty casual, but like they were cheering, first of all. And if you guys know anything about being in a professional press box or professional media working at a game, Cheering is absolutely not allowed, so I thought that was interesting. Uh, obviously, I, I get the tweets during the game, but from what I heard, there was a coastal – it was like a coastal broadcast. There was a conflict of interest to where the broadcaster knew someone on coastal or had a relative on coastal or something along the lines of that. So, you know, we always get hosed from a broadcasting standpoint. And then even the in-stadium announcer, uh, it was like a little extra oomph in his voice when coastal did something as opposed to when we did something. And uh, I just hate to see that shit. Like, I don't know. It's, it's frustrating. We get no respect regardless of how good of a football team we are and how good of a football team that we have been all year. I mean, we won the conference outright and no one expected us to be here. So it's like, am I sad? Am I mad? Am I like every emotion under the sun that we lost this game? Yeah. I really wanted to win this game. You guys know what this game means to me. Like, like I'm about to tear up even saying it, but like my brother and my mom were like holding hands, like, like arms around each other for that last play. And they didn't even get the, the damn playoff, like hosed, absolutely hosed. You could see it on the players faces as they were walking out. You could see it on coach Hammock's face, see it on the fans faces as I was trying to make my way down to the press conference. I mean, we traveled very well to this game. There was so many NIU fans in the building for this one. I'm very proud of Husky Nation for showing up and showing out. They were loud. They were proud. They were heard. And, uh, again, really proud of the players. It wasn't like our best game by any stretch of the imagination, but they emptied the bucket is, is the uh, analogy that I like to use. And, and they really left Husky Nation extremely proud of the way they played football this season. Coach Hammock is an absolute legend uh, as a player. But now, and like I told him earlier in the week or last week when I talked to him, his legend score as a coach, almost like, uh, you know how in NCAA football they have the, what's it, what's it called? The, uh, like the legend score. Like after you play like a really good game, Coach Hammock's legend score is growing. Uh, I would, wouldn't be surprised to see some of the position coaches or the coordinators get opportunities uh, to to have a better job opportunity or like a higher ranking job opportunity. So that's something you should keep your eye out on uh, in the off season. And then too, like pro day is going to be a very busy and I would say successful pro day this year. I think 
in total, you got Braden Patton, you got Clint, you got Tyrese Ritchie, you got Matt Ferentz, who I'm also going to miss seeing just absolutely nuke punts. And we finally got a 15-yarder. They don't call – they never call roughing penalties against Matt Ferentz. It makes no sense to me. We're able to get the call tonight. It was a big momentum uh, play at the time because they, they also got another 15-yard penalty later on in the drive uh, to, to move the sticks. So – no matter which way you look at it, um, it's not the result we wanted. Obviously, you want to win this game, and it was a very winnable game, a game that they had control of, like I said, for about 75 80% of the game. But the details, uh, the small things like the option pitches and, and the stuff that um, that Coastal was able to do that we weren't able to stop is ultimately what the difference was. I don't think Grayson McCall is like a great quarterback. I think he's a good quarterback and I think he has a good future. I think if he works on some things, he could be an NFL quarterback one day, but they made that man look like Peyton Manning tonight. Uh, There was a lot of plays where there were blown coverages where the analogy that I like to use for this one is if the football was a grenade and it blew up when it pressed the receiver's hands, not a single NIU player would have been affected by the shrapnel. And you can't have that in a bowl game. Uh, Like I said, there was a lot of moving parts a lot of new players and new pieces in the secondary that played today. Lewis Fry played in a phenomenal game. He had a lot of great open field tackles. That's someone that Coach Hammock talked about uh, as, as one of his compete team MVPs. So to see him in game action during, you know, it, it, this might have been his first start. I think it's probably his first start. I know he played special teams, and I know he, he's, you know, you'll filled in at, at certain spots uh, throughout the season, but – First spot bowl game in Florida. The guy played his absolute tail off. Uh, excited for the future for him. You saw some great things from Josh Earl tonight. Uh, you saw some great things from Kate Haberman. Kate Haberman has been playing out of his fucking mind for the last like three or four games. And 18, 19 years old, like kid's going to be a stud. I'm excited to see uh, what the future holds for Cade. Uh, Clint obviously had a great game. Braden won the offensive lineman of the game award. So I thought that was really cool. And like, like I said, man, of all the people that I feel the worst for, it's, it's the guys like Zemaine March and, and, and Braden Patton and Matt Ferentz and Clint Rakovich and, and even Tyrese Richie, because Tyrese couldn't have, even, he didn't even get a chance to play in the MAC championship or this game. And, and if you guys know anything about Tyrese Richie's story, you know, that guy's been through hell and back to get back to NIU to be the productive receiver that he was uh, to where he's going to leave a Husky legend and he'll have his opportunity in his pro day and a chance to, to make an impact with an NFL team. And I think that's going to be great for Tyrese. I know he's a very hard worker and the same goes for all the other aforementioned players. Clint will be on an NFL roster next year. Braden, same thing. I think Matt Ferentz has a very good opportunity uh, if, as long as he continues to do the things that he does well and, and the right eyes can give him that opportunity. He's going to be an NFL punter. And uh, yeah, I mean, 47, 41, the Huskies lose it in the fourth quarter. Um, There was like some trick plays and stuff like that, that I kind of expected because it was a bowl game, but I think like the timing of the trick plays, like the situation with uh, Trayvon at the end or in the middle of the fourth quarter, we ran a, uh, kind of like a, like a flea flicker type play. Like they throw it to Trayvon. He's in the flats. And for the first time all season long, Clint missed his block and Trayvon got blown up like eight yards in the backfield. But those are the fine margins that, that end up costing you football games. And, you know, like I said, Rocky fumbled the ball. Rocky hasn't fumbled the ball all season long. I'm pretty sure. Like, and if he has, it's been like once or twice. And uh, 
there was nothing he could do about it. I mean, it wasn't like he was holding the ball like a loaf of bread or anything like that. It was just the guy put his helmet on the ball. And, and when that happens, it doesn't matter how strong you are. There is not a damn thing you can do uh, when that helmet strikes the ball. So super, uh, super deflated for my guy. Cause you guys know me and Rocky are guys like, my my core guys my fatties guys and then too like the extension of that like like Lance and Dylan like Dylan didn't even get to play tonight I feel bad for Dylan you know he has busted his ass Dylan Thomas has busted his ass to get back into the starting lineup and to get back into a position to where he's playing regular minutes and 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 excelling Dylan Thomas had a very good season this year and I'm excited to see what's on the other side of that injury um for my offensive player of the game I'm going to be going with the offensive line. Uh, They created so much havoc. We owned the line of scrimmage on offense and and defense. It's, it was kind of up there. Like we were getting a good push, but the issue becomes uh, if you, if you get too much like penetration, if you're in the backfield too early with the option, the pitch man is on an Island. You know, he's an Island boy. He's out there by himself trying to make it, trying to get that, that solo tackle. And, And if anybody, you know, if you're a listener and you play football, one of the hardest things to do as a football player is to get an open field tackle. And like I said, about 10 or five or 10 minutes ago, we saw great open field tackling today from, from, uh, from Lewis Fry. I saw some good open field tackles from David Shinhoster on, on special teams. And David Shinhoster has been playing out of his mind on kickoff throughout this season. And uh, the way I look at it is one more play. 10 more seconds. There's a whole different energy to the way I'm talking right now. And and I was so pissed. I mean, let me get back to the Jagoffs from Coastal, the mullet motherfucks. They were trying to say that Messiah Travis went down or, or he wasn't hurt. Like, right. They were trying to say that he wasn't hurt. Mind you, like I was behind enemy lines. I was riding solo by myself. The, the guards, the like security guards and the staff were all rooting for Coastal, everything. It was absolute banana lands. And I really had to do my best to, to not really blow up because like I had some like drunk dude next to me, like just screaming about shit. I'm like, bro, you are in a press area. Like you are not allowed over here. Go on, like go somewhere. Like you do not need to be around here. Uh, I slammed my laptop shut, put all my stuff in my bag got right down to the press conference. And then I got right out to the, to the sidewalk to where the buses were at, because I mean, as you guys know, like these are my friends, these are my classmates, my, my colleagues, if you will, they came on the show, the live show, all that. So it's like, I've always viewed myself as like, like Rosterman 54, like Rudy, like, uh, like just that extra guy on the team. And, and to see the guys play the way they did tonight, to leave it all out there on the field, to see the coaches coach the way they did all season long and to leave it all out there on the field and to get hosed like that by the refs leaves such a sour taste in my mouth. I know it's the same for the players, but the NCAA has got to do better. I mean, Coastal got the benefit of the doubt at the end of the first half. They got their challenge. They got their opportunity to uh, have the play looked at and, and reviewed. And it ultimately led to an extra three points for them. And like I said, those three points are 
ultimately the difference in the game. I know he lost by six, but if we're only chasing three, Rocky's Rocky's not put in that situation to where the referee is standing in between him and Braden, not allowing them to get the snap off. And then the clock operator who like, (laughs) I hope the clock operator was escorted out because there was a lot of angry Husky fans at the end of the game. The clock operator should never be allowed within a hundred feet of a game clock for the rest of his life. He shouldn't even be allowed to watch football for the rest of his life. That was an egregious and heinous way to go and lose a game for us. I am absolutely beside myself that that's the way that we end up losing the game, but there's nothing you can do. You don't ever want to leave it in the hands of the referee at the end of the day. And you got to put the game away earlier on the defensive side of the ball. I'm going to go with the D line. Uh, we're all on D line today. We're going with the big uglies. Um, guys like Kid Haberman, guys like Demon Taylor, guys like Michael Kennedy, James Esther. They've played phenomenal all season long. They've really given us a nice base to build our running game off of. Our running game is one of the best running games in all of college football, and it's going to stay the same way next year. We bring back Rocky. Uh, we lose the rat, so we don't have like that power back. But Ontario Brown, I think, is is the guy that that would kind of slide into that role if there was anyone that's currently on the roster to do it. Maybe a guy like Brett Bostad could do it too. I know Brett's not as fast as Clint or as fast as Ontario Brown, but but Brett has that that beef to him, that that thickness, and uh, he's tough in the hole. Like he. He doesn't want to go down either, but the same goes for Ontario Brown. Ontario Brown runs like he's shot out of a cannon. Uh, The speed matched with the strength, matched with the finesse and the moves. He puts his foot in the ground. GG, your jockstrap's on the 30. But, yeah, the big uglies, they are my players of the game on offense and on defense, and then obviously on special teams. John Richardson, I think we got like a half tackle. I think it was like – I forgot who else was in on the tackle with him, but Richardson was definitely a part of a tackle out there this evening. And uh, yeah, I, I want to say thank you first and foremost, like, so I know I do this often, but to the listeners of this show, uh, to the players, to the coaches, to our athletic director, Sean Frazier, to our SID, Donna Turner, Joe Summons, everybody. I mean, I, from the very young age of six have always dreamt of doing something like this, of, of making a career out of this, of, of one day being, you know, a media member or, or someone that is able to tell their own story about the teams that they follow. My very first broadcast was at the age of six. I went to a private school. We had a television program there and I recapped Super Bowl 37, I think it was, or 38. I don't know. The one where the Patriots beat the Panthers and, uh, a long hiatus from six until I did my, my first official podcast, but everything that uh, came with this season, this is now my, I want to say fourth or fifth trip going to a team related event, whether it was media day, the Mac championship. Um, so yeah, it was the media day, Mac championship, the bowl game and uh, the Michigan game and uh, thousands and thousands of dollars of my own money spent to, to make it happen. But if I could go back and do it all over again, like I would absolutely do it. Uh, the support that I receive, like from seeing people out, you know, when I'm like wandering around at the games, like it means the absolute world to me. Um, 
I saw our chief of staff yesterday at the pep rally, Matt Streb, and uh, first and foremost, he congratulated me for, for graduating because I did graduate last weekend, but um, he said, he, you know, it brought the biggest smile to his face to be able to see my mom make it to my graduation last week because, you know, as you guys know, she's battling cancer right now. She was down sick, was in the hospital until Saturday morning, and then eventually was able to get out, but the cure bowl. Um, there was a lot of money raised for cancer. It was a game for a great cause. Uh, they did a nice little moment during the game where I stood. Cause it was like, you know, if you or someone, you know, is affected by cancer, uh, please stand. And they did a round of, of applause and an ovation. And those are the type of things that mean the world to me. Um, I'm one of the biggest football fans you're ever going to meet. I don't think you'll ever meet a, a person that's as more passionate about football as I am. And, uh, as you guys know, I wasn't always an NIU fan. Like I, I grew up a Notre Dame fan. I always kept an eye and kept tabs on NIU because they were the closest team to me. And they used to play on Fox Sportsnet when I was a kid. Um, Tom Waddle used to call the games. And I, I, you know, I know of the Garrett Wolf days, the Jordan Lynch days, all that. But even when I got to NIU, um, I, it took me, I want to say like uh, maybe my first full semester until I got to a game and the first game I went to was a comeback win. Trey Harbison had the game-winning touchdown, and I didn't really get into the podcast until the Western Michigan game in 2019, and the rest is history. And it's like, if you're listening now, uh, shout-out to our people that are in the Twitter live spaces. You guys are the absolute shit. We love you for that. But if you have something that you want to go out and accomplish, just put your mind to it, take the time, put the work in, and, and let the results come. Um, as Coach Hammock says – you know, you trust the process and the rest will take care of itself. And of all the podcasts that I've done, I do Bears on tap. I do Irish on tap as well. Three podcasts during football season. I'm an absolute psychopath. I know two of them I do all by myself. The third one, I'm just like the main host. But the way I look at it is the most fun, the most rewarding, the sense of community uh, the sense of community really came back this year to where you really feel like, like, you know, I'm seeing a lot of the same faces when I'm traveling to away games. I'm seeing a lot of the same faces uh, on the Twitter page and on the Facebook page doing the tweets and, and having a good old time during the game. And it makes me very happy. Uh, it, it brings a smile to my face to see that this team is trending in the right direction. They Like if they were a stock, you know, Coach Hammock talks about buying the dip we'd be on the moon right now. Um, and there's nothing you can do about it. You got to get ready to go to battle next season and, and get those guys prepared in the off season. Coach Hammock, I, I saw him on the way out of the game and he did confirm that he will be taking a vacation at some point. So we can get the confirmation on that. So a guy that absolutely deserves it. And, and a guy that, that I'm very proud of the way he has battled, the way he has, 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 beating the odds and through the midst of adversity has found a way to keep this team competitive, to keep this team engaged and to get us to the Mac championship in a bowl game. And uh, it's been a hell of a season. It's been a hell of a ride. I don't know what I'm going to do with my spare time. Um, the most involved, I guess you would say of the season of the, the podcast seasons that I've done was this season. And uh, a special shout out to our sponsor fatties without them we wouldn't have, have grown the way we did this year. Um, shout out to the live audiences that, that came out to hang out with us on Tuesday to listen to the live show. 
the listeners of this show. You're the one who were ultimately able to get us landed with fatties and, and with the live show, because, you know, they see we have a, a loyal and, and rabid fan base, I will say, because we are some crazy Midwestern bastards, but yeah, the people that interact with us on Twitter, the people that interact with us on Instagram and the people that just support me as a human being, because at the end of the day, like, even though I am a faceless account, well, I got my regular account, obviously I beat on 300, but like, just to see the way that people, you know, have congratulated me on graduating, congratulated me on the, on the job that I've done this season, coaches, players, parents of players, like that's the type of stuff that makes what I do all worth it in the end. And uh, I really am of the utmost appreciation. Um, I do think that we're going to still try to have one more live show uh, up at fatties. So Hopefully we can get that done uh, when the boys are back in town and we can try and do, I was talking to JJ after the game. I was like, we got to get the, uh, the eating contest going. And actually too, I, I ran into John champ's dad last night, John champ's dad introduced himself. And uh, I was telling his dad, I go, I heard your son can put back the food. We got an eating contest coming up on the horizon. So that'll be a, uh, a fun thing that we've kind of talked about all season, but with scheduling and everything, we haven't been able to get done. And then I know uh, I had talked with the people at Fatties to try and get an autograph signing for some of the players. So still a lot on the horizon. Obviously, the show schedule will change up significantly. Um, probably take about a week or two off. But I do want to uh, to do a, the season-long award show because I, I somehow got lucky and was able to interview Coach Hammock and, and all the players that I interviewed last week. Uh, and that turned out to be a really great episode. and. And I'm thankful for those, you know, for those guys taking the time. So I didn't get a chance to do the season long award show. So I'll do the season long award show. I think I'm going to try and talk with Ethan to see if Ethan can come and join me for that. Cause I know uh, he was pretty bummed about not being able to join me after the Mac championship, but next episode will be season season recap season uh, award show. And then I did have uh, a couple of listeners submit questions. Our guy, Jeremy, uh, who, is a lot. He came to the live shows. He supports a lot of the episodes. He, he follows us on Twitter and tweets at us. So shout out to you, Jeremy. I'm going to be answering your question. And then I got a couple other questions uh, loaded in the chamber for next week. I'll do another tweet to give you guys an opportunity uh, to ask more questions. But again, and I state for the Huskies by the Huskies, your favorite podcast, Huskies on Tap. We're signing off for the last time, the last post game recap of the season. As always, we do appreciate you for listening to this episode of Huskies on Tap. If it's your first episode with us, welcome to the show. We're not going to be having as many episodes because it's the offseason, but there are plenty of episodes from during the regular season that you can go back, get to know your favorite Husky players, and, uh, and just relive this magical, magical season that we had. Like I said, my name is Brandon Suarez. You can follow me on Twitter at BDON300. You can follow our main account at Huskies on Tap. We'll be back with you next week with the full season recap and the full season award show. But we got nothing else for you guys. And go Huskies. Yeah. I got dreams of living lavish in the kitchen whipping magic. I got dreams of living lavish in the kitchen whipping magic. Bad bitch, bad habits. We got London on the track. I ain't asked now for nothing. I took the heart away. Toya put me over coming with it. They took my heart away. Heart away. Hard away, hard away, jumping in hard.